Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. Welcome to today's episode of the Green Industry Podcast, a returning guest today. He used to be the co-host of the show until he started his own, Naylor Taliaferro. Welcome back, Rook, to the program. We're going to dive into the Clean Cut Lawn Care story, what you all have going on over there in Midlothian, Virginia, as well as uh, what Naylor's doing to connect our community. You're always up to something, Rook, so looking forward to hearing um, some updates of, of what's around the corner for some community events, things of that nature. Hey, if you want to get your hands on $2,500 or perhaps $15,000, our friends at Jobber are doing their grant giveaway again this year. So the difference between a grant and a loan is when they, if you get awarded their grant, you get to keep that money and invest it in your business how you want. You don't have to pay them back or anything like that. And that's right. They're giving away $150,000. Uh, will be 25 uh, businesses re- awarded this money, and it will be uh, divvied out in increments of $2,500 to $15,000. So if you want a shot at that, there's a link in today's show notes uh, for the application. Uh, the deadline's coming up soon, so fill that out. It's a quick, easy application, and uh, perhaps you'll be one of the lucky winners, and I uh, get either $2,500 or 15, between $2,500 and $15,000. So... When you multiply that by 25 winners, it turns out to $150,000. Again, the link to register for that is in today's show notes. Well, without further ado, Naylor, welcome back to the show. And let's let's dive right into it, man. For those who don't know the clean cut lawn care story, it's a good one. Why don't you uh, remind us how you all got, how you got started from going from working at the Gap to, to cutting grass? Where do I begin, man? Holy cow. How, how long did you want this short and sweet or what? Because my, my story can be epic. So Yeah, just <laughs> let, let's get started um, with, you know, you working in retail management, you know, going bowling, meeting your wife, you know, the whole <laughs> New York to Virginia, you know, reading the whole uh, Lowe's um, or uh, big box store uh, things that you had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might nice. have been the other one, huh? Yeah. Well, we won't mention that, but um, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no, uh, I didn't work for either of those. I worked for Toys R Us. And some no, other I ones, know but. that, but didn't you used to go to the big box store and get their magazine to learn how to keep your yard? Yeah, looking? as a homeowner. Yeah, See, yeah, I'm yeah, telling yeah, Naylor's story better than him. <laughs> well, you, you tell the story, man. <laughs> oh man! All right, all right, all right. Yeah. So, all right. So, once upon a time, <laughs> man. Well, not not everyone knows probably some of these details but we'll just we'll just get after it here so like i i uh this is probably really important to my ultimate story of where i am today but most people don't know that i'm an artist like uh i went to school for art when i was in high school you know i, I was always like a, a personable kind of guy and you know had a lot of friends and i say that I had a lot of friends but like in school like i wasn't like the quiet person that like didn't know anyone or whatever. Like I definitely knew a lot of folks. I wasn't necessarily the popular kid, but I was friends with popular kids and non-popular kids, whatever. So, but I never really excelled in anything specifically that I could think of. Like I, I you know, didn't 
get really heavy into sports or I wasn't a mathematician. I wasn't, you know, A plus student, any of that stuff. Like I could do well at anything that I applied myself to. But the only thing naturally that I felt was really effortless and got a lot of attention and made me feel good about myself was art. Like I could, you know, I, I had a lot of comic books when I was young in high school and I would just sketch out all of my com- favorite comic books, like not trace, but like sketch them out, like literally basically just copying, you know, some of my favorite characters and putting them together and stuff. So I quickly realized I was really good at capturing what things that I look at versus like my imagination. A lot of people are really good, like animators and so on. They're good at just stuff in their mind and they can just draw it out. But I'm really good at seeing things, drawing them, painting them, whatever the material is, I can copy that. So I excelled in high school with that. And then I was like, well, I guess maybe I'll go to college and, 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 and figure, continue with that trend. So I went to school for fine arts. So I learned a lot through that, but I really didn't know what to do with that. You know, what am I going to do with a fine arts degree? Like, I'm a really creative person. That's great. What am I going to do? Be a, a teacher, a high school teacher, college professor for art? Like I wasn't really feeling that even though I, I naturally taught people throughout my life, even up to this moment, like I'm good. I have a lot of patience. I'm good with just showing people how to do different things. But I, I didn't really see myself doing that for a living and going through all the extra schooling involved in that, especially at a college level, you got to have your doctorate and all that stuff. So I really didn't know what to do with myself. And I just kind of stumbled into retail like a lot of folks do when they're in high school and college. You're looking for a part-time job. And that's what I did kind of off and on through high school and in college. And then I finally stuck with, uh, I worked at The Gap. Um, that was like my first main job where I grew from just like a cashier, fitting room attendant to assistant manager was the higher associate store manager, which was right below the store manager. That was my highest level. I was there for five or six years, I believe in total before I left there to go to another company. But I had started there part-time in college. They almost didn't want to hire me because I was going to college. And I, you know, again, probably true to my character, those of you that may know me uh, enough by now, you know, I kind of like sold myself, you know, I'm like, Hey, if you hire me now, it's July, you know, or June, whenever it was, you hire me now. I can do a lot. I, I'm a fast learner. I can help you guys through the busy season, back to school and everything. And then when I go to college, there's a gap right by, you know, out there in the mall. I can just transfer there. Is that something that, that can be done? And then when I come back, I can transfer back to here, you know, over the holidays, over the summer, whatever. Like, is that a thing? You know, I didn't even know if that was a thing, but I was asking there like, oh yeah, that, that actually is, that, that might work. And so anyway, I kind of spun that whole thing. I'm really good at creating opportunities, I guess. And I just spun that. And, and that's why they, 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 you know, they really liked me, but they didn't want to hire me someone that they were going to train and for, for just like three months, you know, they wanted someone that was going to be for the longevity. So I ended up, you know, being there for over five years. Uh, I worked at several different stores in college, out of college, and then around the area, my hometown where I started and all that. And, and I went through the management ranks and got tons of leadership and management training through the gap. And then that's where I started going to a couple other, I, I moved from the gap and went to a, a few other uh, companies and, you know, just continued learning more things and went through the whole management process, was a store manager at one company for several stores within that company. Um, but I met my wife at the gap. So that was, that was obviously a big, a big deal. Um, I was a supervisor and she was, we were both going to the same college, but I lived there. Like I, I lived, I was going to the university in my hometown and she was going to the university that 
from, you know, she was traveling, she was staying there in the dorms or whatever. So if it wasn't for that college, we would have never met at work. Like we didn't meet in college. We met because of college and she was transferred like I have done. Mm -hmm. She transferred to the, that, that gap that I was working at. So we got to know each other and became friends and, and quickly started dating and all that. And I was really strict about being professional and, you know, being one of, being, um, one of the few straight guys, like no offense to anything or anyone, but being one of the few straight guys in retail management, um, it's very challenging to, you know, you, you have a lot of, all the girls are just always like, you know, flirty and talking and it's like, yeah, whatever. Like I just always kept it professional. It was kind of like I was numb to it all, like whatever. So I just didn't really care, but something about my wife, she was not like that. She was just different. And, you know, we talked and we got to know each other and she pronounced my name the right way from, from day one, which struck me because no one else ever other than my family pronounced my name properly. I wasn't so, even close. Yeah. <laughs> it took right. me a couple of years, but yeah. Yeah. So she had it right on the money. So that was, that was definitely something that, that struck me and all that. So anyway, we started dating and we, we got married pretty quickly. Um, and, and had our first, our first child, our daughter, and, and just really started building a life together. But during that process, I kept going, I only worked for a few different companies. Uh, one, two, three, four. Okay. Four, a total of four different companies in over 15 years. Like it was 15 years and change before I quit and started my lawn care business. But so within that time frame, like the first couple of years, I didn't know my wife and then I met her. So I'd say over 10 years of that 15 years was me struggling to have a life, build a life with my wife and my kids, which was going in one direction and retail was going in a different direction, right? Amazon was becoming a thing and starting to take over, you know, way back then, which was like probably 20 years ago now. And it was just really putting the pressure on the, what we call the brick and mortar stores, the stores that, you know, you have to walk into and physically look at, look at merchandise and buy it. And what people were doing was just going in and like window shopping. They were going into Best Buy and here and there, and they were trying on clothes or they were looking at a laptop and then they would just go on Amazon and buy it. So these stores were not making any money and Amazon was getting all their money. And, you know, so all these stores were really challenged with, payroll and lack of people, lack of staffing or hours pay, you know, money for staffing. So it was a skeleton crew and, you know, that made it challenging to do all these things, keep the shelves stocked, help customers answer questions, ring people up and then all the other behind the scenes stuff, you know, unload trucks. It, it, it got really, really tedious and that always fell on the management, right? The managers always had to work all the extra hours for no extra pay. We were all salary and um, so I could just see retail going one way and my life going another way. And it was really, really stressful. And I thought by going to different companies, I mean, for one thing, that was a new experience in some cases, a promotion. And in every case, it was, um, more, uh, f financial, a financial gain. I was basically giving myself a raise every time I went to a new company because I asked for more and all that. So that there was that, but I was also hoping for maybe something like different that was going to make me not so stressed out. And then I, I realized that it was retail management itself that was stressing me out. I loved certain things about it. Like I loved working with people, leading people, building teams, managing teams. You know, I liked helping nice customers, you know, but that was few and far between, but I really liked the leadership and the management aspect of it, of like, the people aspect, but like all the crazy hours, working 12 hours a day, doing all the ins and outs of everything that goes with retail management. 
or retail in general, all the nasty customers and the good ones and all the crazy stuff, it just really wore me out. And I just barely got uh, any time to really spend with my family. And when I did, I was exhausted and depressed and worn out. So it, it was just, it was just a train wreck really. And I didn't know how to get out. You know, I really didn't know what the path was, but in the background, I was that homeowner that loved lawns. Like I just kind of, you know, I didn't know I was until I had one and then just learned like from scratch, like literally when we moved in, our builder didn't do anything. Um, I don't think he did anything. Literally. I think we just moved in with dirt. <laughs> Got the move in special. <laughs> yeah. We just moved in with a beautiful brand new house. Yeah. I mean, we built the house. This wasn't was, your lake house. This was the one before no, the lake house. This was, this was up in, up in Pennsylvania. Technically oh, wow. I'm from, the, I'm from the state of New York, but when, when, when I met my wife and we got married, we moved down to where she's from, which is closer to Newburgh, Newburgh, New York. She's actually from Middletown, New York, but more people know about Newburgh than Middletown. So that area is very close to New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Like it's 45 minutes, one direction on a highway. And you're right there at what they call High Point State Park. You go up the top of the mountain and you can go one way, get off one exit to go to Jersey, continue on that highway into Pennsylvania or go the opposite way back where you came into New York. So there's a point on the map. I know you love your geography, Paul. <laughs> there's a point on the map where all three states meet and it's called High Point because it's like a, a mountain, like it's super high and you can, and there's an overlook in one direction you're facing Pennsylvania. Another one is Jersey and then the other one's New York. So it's pretty cool if you're from that area or you're just visiting for sure. But uh, at any rate, because we were that close, um, what was the point that I was saying? Oh my gosh, I completely lost. You like your yard? You you got your new yard? When yeah, you w that's right. You were saying this wasn't at the lake house, right? No, no, it was it was up there. So Pennsylvania was close enough to us. It was only forty five minutes away that we moved into Pennsylvania to save money on taxes and get a bigger yard, bigger bigger property, better house pricing than the state of New York, and we didn't want to live in Jersey for very similar reasons. So we got a nice house in, in Pennsylvania on a nice size property, but for whatever reason, the builder, and I mean, that's like that around here in Virginia. I mean, builders do all types of weird things. They'll give you a front lawn, but not a back lawn. They'll seed or they'll sod. Like it just depends on the builder and the situation, I guess, or, or how much you want to pay maybe or whatever. But we just got a house on a pot on a big patch of dirt and rocks. So we painstakingly, my wife and I painstakingly just like raked rocks every other day. And you know, I'd come home or on the weekends, we'd rake rocks and throw them in the wood and smooth, you know, out the dirt and all that. And, and I just learned a lot from trial and error, going to the big box stores and some of the local hardware stores, looking at different types of grass seed and all the little like gadgets and gizmos for, you know, spreaders and little things to water your yard attached to the hose, you know, different types of sprinklers because we didn't have irrigation in ground irrigation out there either because it was up in the mountains in PA. It was beautiful, but, you know, it was like we were in the middle of nowhere. So you do everything from scratch. Uh, so I just learned so much. And and to, to, to what you alluded to, we, uh, you know, there's a lot of books in some of these big box stores because the, the internet really wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. I mean, it was a thing, but it was very minimal. There was hardly any kind of education. When you Googled lawn care back then, this was, let's see, I've been in lawn care nine years now, but I, I you know, we probably lived there. Ten, I'd say almost 20 years ago, probably was, was when we were, uh, you know, doing all that. And so there was really nothing on the internet, you know, Facebook was just becoming a thing. Um, and, and that was about it, but there, so there was books. So I read a lot of books and learned a lot of stuff. Mainly it was trial and error, tried out this, tried out that, you know, all the different things to cover the seed, you know, 
go to the local farm down the road and, you know, honor system, there's big hay bales, you know, and you just put some money in the box and grab your hay bales and throw it in the back of your car and just destroy your car full of hay. And, you know, then you get weeds. You don't, you don't realize that until you realize that, but you know, you put the hay over the top of the, that's stuff that you do on commercial properties and crazy stuff like that. Cause you get a lot of weeds. So, but you live and learn. And then there's all these like mesh netting and all these mulch things and stuff you can buy. So I learned all of kind of like everything about homeowner lawn care. I got my green thumb just from trying to figure it out on my yard. And I eventually had a beautiful yard, beautiful lawn, front, back, and sides. And I would push mow that bad boy with my Husqvarna 20 or 22 inch self-propelled mower. And then I striped the mess out of that all different directions and just had a good old time. And I was the envy of the neighborhood. Literally, there was only one other guy that had a really plush lawn and we were kind of friends. Like we, we kind you know, of friend. Yeah. We're <laughs> mean mugging each other. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were, you know, quote unquote, you know, yeah. uh, you know, we were acquaintances. Arts you know, rivals. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, we, we would see, you know, our wives were friends really is what it is. Like, you know, our wives were all part of like those groups and stuff. And we, we'd be at, we'd go to different, you know, get togethers and things like that. Different people's houses. One time we were at his house and everybody was like, oh, the lawn, blah, blah, blah. And he would say that my lawn was nice too, you know, further up the street if you want to go that way, <laughs> but you could just stay here. You know, no one ever goes out that way. But anyway, the two of us were the envy of like the neighborhood, which was multiple streets, you know, spread out section, but, and, and literally other ma- other wives were asking my wife to get tips from me to give to their husbands, which definitely isn't a way to make friends, but you know, it is what it is. So I, I became like that guy, um, unfortunately, but I also just loved grass. I love my lawn. So, so that's where really where lawn care kind of all started from a home, homeowner perspective. So all that was going on while I was just like, kind of like, you know, my soul was being sucked away basically in retail management because it just wasn't for me. It's for a lot of people, right? You got to buy your stuff somewhere. I mean, you can't buy everything on Amazon. There's definitely, you know, you want to get your groceries and stuff, whatever. There's definitely things that you need to, or it's really convenient to go to a store and get. So people have to work there and it should be people that want to work there, people that are good at that job. Um, but unfortunately, that that just wasn't me. I was good at it, but I w- it was too stressful for me, and it just it just wasn't for me. I just wanted to be more with my family more. My quality of life was terrible, so lawn care and retail just kind of merged together. And I just realized, you know, before I started lawn care, years prior, before we moved down to Virginia, I thought it would kind of be cool to do this for a living. And I fantasized over it and I made a business. I, I made it like a, a business name. I don't remember what it was called anymore and some cheesy little cartoon logo. And cause again, there was nothing like there is now there was no, you know, business card makers and lo- and logo thing, whatever. There, there was nothing like that. It was like a word document that I just made up some random thing and went to Staples down the road and got business card paper and stuck it in my printer and printed it up and, you know, prefer ripped all the perforated, you know, I had my little stack of business cards <laughs> and I never did anything with them, but it was just something that like I fantasized about and was like, can this happen? And I went through so many thoughts in my brain. And at that time, a, a guy that comes and cuts your grass or girl was not a thing. Wow. You had to have like a yeah. landscape company. This was like almost 20 years ago. You yeah. had to have a, and so, so much has changed in such a short amount of time. 
but I mean, 20 years is 20 years, but still it's a short amount of time, but you had to have like a landscaping company come and do everything. You know, it was like, you had to have a yearly contract and they did everything, you know, the mulch, the bushes, you know, uh, obviously cut your grass, fertilize it and anything above and beyond that, that you wanted to do. You know, if you wanted to get, re- redo your gravel driveway or patios, walkways, all that stuff, you know, you had to have a big landscaping company and it was frowned down upon because, you know, it was expensive and you were like fancy if you had a landscape company taking care of your property, like you were rich and famous, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as much of a commodity as it is now. Like, you know, people have their house clean, people have their groceries delivered, people have their lawn taken care of and their landscaping maintained. Like, you know, in (laughs) in Sugarloaf, I was in the, uh, this guy's backyard one day and, and someone came through the gate and I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm here to clean the grill. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not the rich. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Oh, People man, were so rich. Me. They had someone come clean the grease out of their grill, clean their grill. I was like, ah, oh. wow. That's when you know you've got <laughs> dispensable income. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So yeah. So times have changed, right? Because 20 years ago, there was no one to clean your grill that easily anyway to find. Um, and, and if you did, it was like, what in the world? Who are you? So are you in the market for a new high performance mower? Look no further than the Kubota Z200. This mower combines quality, comfort, and ease of use all in one package. And now select models come with the new K-Ride comfort system for optimized comfort. Experience the elevated zero turn performance with the three point system and choose from cutting decks ranging from 42 to 54 inches. Plus, the Kubota Z200 comes with Kawasaki engines. Don't wait to experience the difference for yourself. Visit KubotaUSA.com for more information and to find your local Kubota dealer. How does Echo make outdoor-grade outdoor power equipment? We start outside in the heat, the cold, the rain. We give it hell, test it, best it, retest it. We make it tougher, more powerful, more reliable, more Echo. 200-plus tools forged by the elements. Built for pros, tough pros, outdoor-grade pros. We make it gas-powered, battery-powered, professionally-powered. Then we get back outside. We get back to work. That's Echo, and that's outdoor grade. Echo, power on and on. Do you spend too much time worrying about the safety and security of your vehicles and machines? Are you tired of the hassle of building schedules and routes for your crews? Well, GPS Track It is here to help. They understand that keeping your assets safe and managing your crews efficiently are crucial tasks, but they don't have to be your job. Let GPS Track It take some of the mental load off with their cutting-edge tools, including real-time asset tracking, optimized routing, efficiency reports, and more. With GPS Track It, you can focus on your real job, building your business. So why wait? Visit gpstrackit.com slash Paul to get started and experience peace of mind like never before. You wouldn't drive a car without suspension, so why would you mow without it? With racing-inspired, patented full suspension and integrated cutting decks, Ferris commercial mowers are engineered to deliver a quality cut faster, allowing professional landscapers to earn more profit and bragging rights. Ferris suspension is not just a feature or a marketing gimmick, it is a game changer that simply has to be experienced. True suspension changes everything. Visit ferrismowers.com today to find your nearest dealer. Ferris. Experience suspension. 
So I just thought to myself, that is way too much. I am not. And, and like, I, we in our friend group, we knew someone that was a land, like one of the husbands was a landscaper. He owned a landscaping company and it was, you know, a local one. And, you know, his house was, was, was there. Like you drove up this crazy windy road to get up to the top of whatever. And there's all these piles of rocks and mulch and all this, you know, the whole yard was there. And then you keep driving a little bit further up the, up the mountain or a hill. And there's this big, beautiful house and everything. And, you know, whatever, like, I'm like, this is crazy. I'm not trying to do all this. I don't even know the first thing about that. I was like way too intimidated. And I just, I didn't really see a way at that point, but it was, it was good to fantasize about it because I'm sure that helped kind of get me to where I am today. But that was a long time ago. And then years went by. I, I just got worse. I got more and more stressed out, more and more miserable and depressed. And uh, we moved to Virginia, which was good for this dream, this mm -hmm. fantasy, because our season, our cutting, our growing season is longer here in Virginia <laughs> versus New York. New York, it's kind of split between snow and, and grass, you know, mm -hmm. snow and mowing, snow and mow. Like, um, and, you know, so here, down here, there's very little snow, but a whole lot of grow. So there's, 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 there's a longer season if that's your thing. And, mm -hmm. and I, you know, I like snow, but I, I kind of prefer, you know, the grass and, and the plants and the trees and all that stuff. I'm an outdoor person. So being outside when the weather is not snowy is more conducive, right? Um, for most people. So that's one of the many reasons why I moved to Virginia. So we can have all four seasons for longer than a few days, you know, a little joke for the New Yorkers, you know, out there. Um, and we could just really enjoy ourselves as our family started to grow and, and we can do more things outside. And we just really had a good time. Um, so that was conducive also for rekindling the ideas of having a lawn care business. And it was in that, in that time frame, it was becoming more and more of a specialized service. It wasn't just a big landscape company anymore. It had to take care of your property. It was, oh, hey, there's a fertilizer company that just treats your yard and you can mow your yard and they can treat it. Or you can have someone that comes out and mows your yard and a separate company that treats your yard or a company that comes out and mows and treats or a company that does everything. Like it started really breaking off and specializing and there was all these different folks. Um, and then eventually Chuck came along, right? With his truck and uh, good old Chuck in the truck and and a whole bunch of of Chucks started popping every, out everywhere and cutting your grass and heading on out. And so it just became more and more of a commodity and then more and more of a possibility in my mind and, and a way out of retail. Because right before I you know, started my lawn care business, I literally was on the verge of a mental breakdown. Like I was completely destroying everything in my life, like not on purpose or maybe subconsciously I was like, I've read a lot of books since then, a lot of self-help, a lot of business books, a lot of things, um, or listened to, I should say on, 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 uh, you know, audio books and it's really, and, and podcasts and all that, that were around nine years ago. And then since then, to help kind of get me to a better point uh, quickly. And a lot of these, a lot of things, a lot of common themes, you know, about that is how it really, uh, you know, you, 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 you're, it's kind of like your subconscious does these crazy things to force you to change, like to force some sort of change. Cause, cause if you're just comfortable enough, if you're just comfortable enough, like you could be miserable, but if there's just a tiny bit of comfortable, comfortable ability, whatever, you know, a little bit of comfort in your misery, just enough to keep you going. Kind of like those abusive relationships that people have, unfortunately, it's like, 
they're, you know, someone's abusive. Oh, but I love you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And then it gives you another day or another week or whatever. And then kind of resets the clock a little bit, you know, and, and it's so subconsciously, I think our brain starts doing these wacky things like self-sabotage and, and you just do all the, all these things to kind of force you to make a change. And, and, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what was happening to me because I was becoming someone I didn't recognize. I was not who I am now. And I'm, I'm, I'm different now than I was before that also, you know, I'm older, I'm more mature. I've gone through so many ups and downs and learned so many things uh, along the way. And I kind of became a different person by default. Like I just, just completely like almost destroyed my life, my marriage, my relationship with my kids, everything was just terrible. Like I was never home. I was just miserable. I was working all the time. And so something had to change and, and just, it just, I just cracked finally. And uh, unfortunately you have to hit rock bottom a lot of times or all the time in, in, in uh, these stories anyway, before you can move on to something new, you know, you have to, you have to get rid of your old life you know, to start your new life, uh, which is really tough. Mm. Um, so, so that, that's, that's what happened. I was able to transition into lawn care though. And, and that the way that happened was my wife was on Facebook. I wasn't on Facebook or any social media for that matter. At that point, nine years ago, my wife was, had been on Facebook since the beginning, like most housewives, that was like the number one uh, member on, on Facebook when they first started. So she knew all about it. And she actually had a business at one point too. We had encouraged her to start her own cake business. And she did a great job, but it was a lot of work and just a lot of different variables why she decided to, to, to shut it down. But for many years, she made tons of cakes and cake pops and cupcakes and all kinds of stuff for weddings and birthdays and all kinds of celebrations, obviously for our family as well. She's a really good baker and a really good cook. She's very talented, very artistic. You're, like you're a good chef too, man. You guys are the... <laughs> I'm I'm a good griller. She's yeah. a good chef. I'm a oh, good, those, I'm a good those, sous chef to her, and I'm a good griller. And she's she's the the helper. Naylor for makes me when a I good grill. a good burger, and some and chicken and all that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're, we're working on that with the old Weber grill. Um, but but yeah, but so you know we we the two both of us have a lot of similarities with that, and, and she's also very creative too, which has been passed down to our kids and so on and so forth. Um, but you know, she, so with that little bit of experience that she had for however many years it was, it might've been two, three years, maybe four that she was doing her cakes business. We moved down here and she was still doing it. And, and it kind of took off even more down here in Virginia. But because of all that, she, she knew a little bit about a business. I mean, she wasn't, it wasn't like, like, like this, like lawn care, you know, she wasn't licensed or any of that kind of stuff. She you know, it wasn't like super legit. She didn't have business insurance or whatever, but you know, she, knew some of the basics, like having a Facebook business page. She created that, you know, right from the beginning and, and business cards, which I had fantasized about that, as I told you way before that, but you know, she went and I don't know where she got them, but she had more official ones than I had. And she just learned a little bit of things along the way that, um, I had had no clue about. So when I started, when I wanted to start my lawn care business, she was able to help me with some of those things, like start a, a, you know, a Facebook business page and all that. But because she was on Facebook in general, she would always be in all these groups and the neighborhood we lived in, the HOA, Homeowner Association, like most have a closed private Facebook group. And you have to be, you know, um, a resident in order to be a member. You know, you ask to join, they verify your address and they let you in. And then you have access to hundreds and hundreds of you know, your neighbors ask questions about who knows what, 
you know, also like, hey, do you recommend someone for lawn care or recommend someone for, um, you know, roof work or a handyman or power washing, whatever? Like that's a, a common thing in these Facebook groups as well. So somebody had asked for help with lawn care and my wife knew that I fantasized over the idea of lawn care, starting a lawn care business. So she said, hey, someone asked in the neighborhood asked for for a lawn care person or something along those lines, either their mower broke or they just moved there and they didn't have a mower or they didn't even want to mow their own lawn, but they needed it to be cut. Whatever it was, they were asking for help. She said, do you want me to, to give them your information? And had I said no, because I was in a really bad state, mental state, like that was literally the year before I quit retail and started my business. Had I said no, I would not be sitting here talking to you, Paul, and all of you listening. You would not be hearing this story. And there's so many things that have come. And since there would then. be no Can Green Industry podcast. You 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 pushed me to do this at Waffle House, it, and you opened up all these doors in my career in influence in this industry. Yeah, it, that decision's crazy. All the domino effects. It, yeah, I, I I agree, and that's why I point that out because I, I have to reality check myself frequently because I still have my ups and downs. Like every human being, um, we have all kinds of tough things that happen in life that are in our control and out of our control. Um, and we just have to do our best and having friends and peers and mentors definitely help and family and so on. But uh, I definitely have to check myself constantly to re remind myself of these decisions and how how good it has been and, and how bad it was before and all that stuff. But so she, she asked me if she wanted, if I wanted to give the information and I said, Sure, whatever. Like literally probably some terrible response like that. Just some real, you know, wise ass response. Just, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. You know, like not like, yeah, that'd be great. Thanks so much. You know, uh, but at least I didn't say no. At least I didn't say no. Forget it. But because I kept my mower and my trimmer, and my blower from when we were in Pennsylvania and she, when we, we moved into a townhouse where it's a uh, uh, maintenance free, you know, and a big uh, commercial company comes and takes care of everybody's property and all that. So, um, she was like, why do you need to bring this? You know, we could just sell it and whatever. And I'm like, well, aren't we going to get a house eventually? And she's like, yeah, uh, I just figured you'd buy a new one. I was like, no, this is my baby. I love, I love this mower and this trimmer and this blower. Come on. Like this is, I've been using this for years and it, it's, it's always, always uh, got, gotten me through everything. It's worked great, you know, starts up every time and so on. You know, I mean, those of you know, you know, right? It's a lawn care podcast. You got Green Industry Podcast. You guys know for sure. So you could probably relate. So I kept it. I held on to that stuff. We moved with it. Um, so it was just sitting in the garage. I hadn't used it for however many years that we were living there up until this point. She knew I had that stuff. She knew I fantasized about lawn care. And that's why she said, do you want me to give them your name? And if it wasn't for her, obviously... I wouldn't be here. And, and, and then I had to say, okay, whatever. So I did that. She gave me information. The rest is history, really. I mean, it just became a domino effect. I went and I mowed that one guy's lawn with my 22-inch mower. It took me like an hour and a half to mow, trim, edge, and blow the homeowner way, right? I didn't know all the quick and efficient ways to hold stuff and tackle the property, you know, and m m work around, you know, in the right ways and all that stuff. I just knew, you know, I knew how to do it and I knew the, the, the finished product, what it's going to look like. I was very detail oriented because I was that homeowner. So I kind of lived vicariously through those yards, but I wasn't into the whole like efficiency and quick and speed and all that. And, and, you know, how to do things on a professional level. So it took me longer and his yard was like over 10,000 square feet and I'm bush mowing it, you know, with a 22 inch mower. So I was like, man, but so I did, I did him and like four or five other, I think I had six total 
random yards all over the the city of Richmond, just spread out everywhere. No route density whatsoever. I didn't even know that was a thing. I was just happy to have some yards. I was just cash money right there. I wasn't saving it, nothing. I was like just buying random stuff. I think I saved some of it because, you know, I, you know, whatever, like I didn't know what to do with it. I just kind of tucked it away and I eventually bought my first commercial grade equipment. It was an Echo 770 backpack blower, which I still have to this day, nine years later, still going strong. I mean, it's been through tons of tune-ups and straps replaced and all types of things. Um, But the engine is the same engine. It's still going strong. You take care of it, it'll take care of you, right? So that was my first thing. And I was like, wow, I feel like a a, a boss, man. I can just blow, I can do anything now, blow off anything, do leaf cleanups and those are all kinds of side tangents there that I won't go into, but I was wrong about that. No, no leaf job is created equal at all. <laughs> leaf cleanups are, are a nightmare if you don't know what you're doing. And even still sometimes can be a nightmare when you do know what you're doing because there's always surprises. But that was my first commercial equipment. I bought that at the end of my first year part-time with cash money. The rest of the cash, who knows what I did with it. But I had like six yards. I mowed them on like my one, maybe two days off. Um, Cause you're supposed to get two days off. But as a ret- as a manager, I usually work six days a week for various reasons. So I would have to squeeze in stuff after work or before work. What, how, however it was, if I worked a closing shift and I really need to get a yard, one more yard done or whatever that week, or just chipping away at those six. I mean, it's really hard when you're working in retail and you're working like 60 plus hours a week, six days a week, you barely have any time to do anything, let alone sleep and spend time with your family. But I kind of must have subconsciously knew that this might have been a way out. So I, I was, you know, my wife was happy and motivated to encourage me to do it. And, you know, it made me a little bit happier when I did it. I, I was kind of like a, a little portion of like my old self or my new self, I guess, was kind of poking through here and there, at least on those days when I was doing it, like when I actually was able to do it like on my day off and not be rushing to retail or from retail. Like literally I would load up, fold up my push mower, put it in the back of my Jeep compass with the trimmer and the blower, change of clothes, go to work at the end of the day, change in my office, sneak out the back, hop in the Jeep and then head out before dark, try and get at least one yard done before dark. Um, some yards, you know, took me less than, than an hour and a half. So some, some were smaller, but that's what I did for, for a year, you know, part-time doing that. And it was, it talk about a hustle, man. That's why I know every, I can relate to so many people hustling and grinding, even though I did it for one year. That's, that's more than enough to understand. But I, I realized that if I went full time in lawn care, I could really make something of this. Like I, that I needed that one year of part time to know that I could get after it. But something that not everyone remembers or even knows is my wife also had a full time job. And if she didn't, I would have had to get the boat a lot closer to the dock. As you have said so many times, a lot of folks talk about getting the boat close to the dock. You don't want to jump in and swim to the boat. I was reading Fuller, I was reading Fullerton's <laughs> new book and he's got a chapter about getting boat close to the dock. I'm like, what in the world? Plagiarism. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Oh, you yeah, gotta be but- kidding me. Yeah. So, so my, so my boat was my wife. She was, she, she was close enough to the dock. She was on the dock with me. So Mm -hmm. she, you know, I was able to just, to just walk right into the boat and just start sailing off, you know, and, and, and doing my thing, fortunately. But, you know, her, her salary alone wasn't enough to pay our bills. So I had to quickly figure this out and try to make as much money as possible. So the the way it all was, was timed out was that it was over the holiday, right after the holidays that I put in my notice 
So um, the whole winter, you know, for everyone, typically, you know, January, February, there's not a whole lot going on other than snow in some places or a lot of places. Virginia doesn't get a whole lot, but there's definitely nothing growing in January and February. So those two months allowed me to really focus on researching and the internet had come a long way. There were some YouTubers like Spencer Lawn Care and um, Jason Creel. I think it was, I don't remember what the name of his channel was at the time. Maybe Lawn Care Business Success or something. It's now it's Lawn Care Life or something like that. But the, the Lawn Care Millionaire was definitely there. Uh, the Lawn Care Nut, you know, Geek to Freak. Greg Chisholm, Geek to Freak Fitness and Lawn, I think. Lawn Care was the his, his channel back then. All that stuff. So there was like a handful. Keith Kalfas, he was there. Um, Landscaping Employee Trap. There, there was a handful of beginning OGs that were on YouTube that I stumbled upon that first, like when I, when I quit and tried to go and went, wanted to go full-time that year, which was nine years ago, um, 2014, it was January, 2014. And I was just doing a ton of research online and Google was what Google is and it would recommend videos and stuff if, if they applied to what I was uh, looking up. And I found these videos and I was like, wow, this is cool. And so I found the infancy of the community at the same time I was trying to learn stuff from these guys. Then there was like old videos, you know, from like horticulturists and people showing you how to prune crepe myrtles and different types of trees properly and using hand shears. And so I learned a lot of stuff those two months. I really did a ton of research. Um, I, I really focused on marketing. You know, I, I got, a, a, a you know, this logo right here, you know, I got this, mm -hmm. you know, new business name, got, got it registered or licensed, you know, got this logo totally different color shirt and logo and all that stuff. When I first started, I was trying to figure it all out, just doing whatever I could, ordering some shirts, whatever. I think they were like yellow when I first got them. They're like yellow, like yellow Geek shirts. Freak. Yeah. I was trying to just like stand out. You know, I didn't want to be like everybody else with the lime green shirts or the fluorescent, like highlighter yellowish green shirts. I just wanted like a, it was like a sunflower yellow or whatever, you know, with, with the green logo, you know, it was a darker green. So it was still the same concept, but different color mixing, matching. But I, I focused on that quickly. Like how do I start generating revenue? How do I get my name out there? How do I start getting business? I already had those six customers, you know, part-time, but so, you know, they referred some people to me. Um, I made a Facebook business page with my wife's help. I got on Facebook first and then made a business page with my wife's help and got legitimate business cards that I ordered online along with my shirts and hoodies and all that. Um, and I just went, went all, all out, just going door to door, printed up, you know, flyers. I, actually, yeah, we printed up flyers, but then I also ordered professional postcards um, that looked really professional. And we went different neighborhoods, cherry picked neighborhoods around where I already lived, around our neighborhood and in our neighborhood. Say goodbye to disorganized and inefficient business management. Upgrade to Jobber, the field service management software. Streamline every aspect of your business from quoting to invoicing. Impress your customers and increase your productivity. Start your journey to success with Jobber now at getjobber.com forward slash Paul. Again, that's getjobber.com forward slash Paul. You're out there in the field, mowing lawns, making money, working hard, but for every dollar you make, you're worried. Worried that you spend too much, worried that you won't make payroll, or worried you'll generate a big financial mistake. Simply put, you don't know your numbers. You're not alone. The Landscaping Bookkeeper has helped dozens of eager lawn care owners organize their numbers, learn the language of business, and build a solid financial foundation. Start your journey from simply earning money to creating a long-lasting source of income today by scheduling a free 15-minute phone call at thelandscapingbookkeeper.com.
Are you ready to grow your lawn care and landscaping business at Lightspeed? Hey, I'm Cody Owen with Lightspeed Social Agency, and you have heard me talk shop right here on the Green Industry Podcast and every other lawn care podcast you listen to. I hope that you have taken advantage of the expert knowledge I've given in those interviews, but I want you to experience the power of putting Lightspeed behind your business this spring. Sign up for Facebook and Instagram ads management and put my team's years of experience to work in your business. The parts that weren't maintenance-free and put the postcards um, in the little boxes underneath the mailbox, like the newspaper box, flyer box, stick it in there. Sometimes we do it on the weekends. Our kids would come with us and it was like a family affair and we'd have a good time. I'd take one kid, my wife take another kid and we'd split off and we'd go down different streets and meet each other on the other sides. And there'd be people out there because it'd be on a Saturday or a Sunday. And we'd talk, my wife would talk, oh, my, my husband just started a business and we had a good old time. And we just really literally hit the streets and did a lot of guerrilla marketing, um, a lot of postcards, which is basically guerrilla marketing because I didn't pay for them to be mailed. We just, I cherry picked the neighborhoods that I wanted. I didn't want to just go by zip codes and stuff like that. Like, okay, I can tackle these yards with the equipment that I have and all that stuff. And they're all close together. And just really thought about all those things as early as day one, you know, and really try to do whatever I could to generate that, 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 uh, early revenue in business because my wife wouldn't, wouldn't be able to pay all our bills by herself. So I was trying to at least get it, make enough to be able, the two of us combined would hopefully be enough to keep paying our bills. Um, and also those two months that after I quit all of my vacation pay that I never was able to, all my vacation time that I was never able to take, you know, like I could take like one vacation a year basically, but uh, I accrued so much more than that, but you could hardly ever use it because there were so many holidays and made up stuff and every other manager's requesting time off and you had to fight with everybody to get some time off. So I had all the, like, I think I had over a hundred hours of uh, maybe even more than that of vacation time. And the company that I had left that I had just worked at previous, uh, the last place I worked, their policy was to pay that out. Some places you either use it or you lose it. So you always knew when somebody was going to quit because they would start requesting <laughs> personal days and vacation time. You're like, what's going on? I think Bobby's out of here. Oh, man. <laughs> I got him. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but this company you. that I was at, they, uh, they, they, they paid it out. So you didn't have to worry about trying to use it all at the last minute. So I, I literally had almost two months worth of pay from vacation time. So it's not like we were struggling at all. Like we never had that financial burden because my wife's full-time job was able to supplement. Well, well, well basically my retail salary was paying everything. So when what she was making was really extra. We were saving um, for holidays and for vacations and emergencies and all that kind of stuff, paying off some debt that we had at the time, things like that, you know, uh, uh, so it was great, right? Like for her, she's like, oh my gosh, this is great. You know, we're making all this money now, the two of us combined. But meanwhile, I was like having a, a, a mental breakdown and and I just wanted to get out, you know? And she, so she was like, you know, whatever. Like she understood, but she was terrified at the same time. And then she knew it was going to be a financial burden. And she was, she just thought we were not going to be able to make it financially and all that stuff. But so by, by me, so me making whatever I could make, I knew I had to make a certain amount to add to what she was making. And then that would basically be what I was making by myself, uh, which was enough for us to pay our bills. So I, like I said, everything that I said previous was how I was able to get there. I quickly got to 35, I believe 35, it was 30 something 
weekly lawns that I was able to get, but they were all still kind of scattered around town because they were friends of friends and neighbors and family and all this stuff, which was grateful. I was grateful for that, but I spent a lot of time driving around and I quickly realized that there's no way I can get 35 yards done in a week driving all over town and having a 22 inch mower. That's just not going to work. So, you know, so I, I, with a Jeep compass, I traded my Jeep compass for F-150 and I, uh, I borrowed some money from a family member for a little five by 10 open trailer and a 48 inch Toro uh, walk behind belt drive, the most affordable one you can get, um, floating deck. And then I said, I had my echo backpack blower already. And I think I had also at some point in that interim or whatever, got um, a, a, a commercial trimmer as well. So I had, I had the setup, a commercial trimmer, commercial backpack blower, a commercial mower, still had my 22 inch push mower so I could get into small gated yards if I needed to and, and all that. So I, I, you know, and I, and I still had a hand blower, which was the original blower that I had as a homeowner. So I had a variety of things. So I was able to kind of tackle everything, you know, did all kinds of hodgepodge things, did all the typical stuff like mulch and trimming bushes and all the property cleanups, you know, different real estate agents, you know, being their person, go, don't go into these crazy disastrous looking properties and trying to, you know, spend all day fixing them up, not knowing how to quote things properly and just learning the hard way. And then following these guys on YouTube and learning some things along the way as well and shortening that curve. And then I started to get involved in that myself, create a YouTube channel after a year, being full time and, you know, became the lawn care rookie, right? I was a rookie for life, just learning stuff and sharing my mistakes and successes along the way, got connected with the, the guys and girls that were doing that as well early on. Um, and basically the rest is history. I mean, we, we just, my business grew, my social media grew, lots of opportunities, lots of, um, you know, content creation, you know, now we have podcasts. I mean, I'm on Instagram, I'm on all the platforms as, and, and still obviously YouTube. I really enjoy YouTube and podcasting from a content creation standpoint. Um, you know, I enjoy the other things too, but those are more for just staying in, in touch with people and just, just having different ways to stay, uh, show my work and stay in contact with everyone in the community and to promote different events and things that I, that I host now and that I'm a part of. And, it's just been really, really, really a, a, a fun road for sure. Um, but, you know, there's definitely been some ups and downs, right? I, at the same time, I, I have a lawn care business, just like a lot of folks listening that have had its ups and downs, you know, whether it be equipment issues, you know, financial issues, um, customer issues. Oh, Randy. And, yeah. <laughs> and employee issues as well. You know, old Dale, <laughs> you know, but uh, all these different people, all these different variables. Right. So it, it's always been uh, it's always been challenging. But then we had a pandemic, which made things even more challenging and unique in its own way. Lots of pros and cons from that. Like our, our industry exploded. The service industry in general has exploded since the pandemic, because I feel like people really uh, appreciate and value their time more now because they were just trapped at home and couldn't do anything with their life. And now everyone's like, you know, forget that. I, I, you know, I'm not wasting my time cleaning my house or getting my groceries or doing my landscaping or this or that, or you name insert service industry, um, you know, job or profession. And that's, that's what people are trying to outsource now because I just think people value their time more. Plus the, the younger generations, like my kids, are growing up and they're in that mindset of like technology and there's, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but the, the, there's less and less licensed 
kids nowadays. Like the, the, the numbers are going down for licenses. I don't know if this is in Virginia or around the country, but because there's so many more options now, you can Uber. A lot of kids are, you know, a lot, a lot of these kids are growing up and they live in these urban areas where they don't even need a car. It's too congested. Where are you going to park it? They're just riding their bike or they're Ubering or they're walking or scooters. The, 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 the world is just changing. So people are valuing their time. And so the service industry is exploding. But it seems like um, the amount of people that want to work in the service industry, there's a huge deficit there. It's not growing with at the rate of growth that we need it with all the work. So there's a ton of work out there, but not, not enough workers to get the work done. Or, or we just have a hard time finding them and keeping them if they're out there, wherever they're hiding. So um, that has definitely been challenging for me. And I know it has been for a lot of folks too. But And that's kind of kept me from being at the level that I want to be with my business. I've been, you know, from day one, I wanted to have a couple of crews with crew leaders, self-sustained. I'm more in the background working on my business, not in my business. So I can focus, continue to focus on my family and other things. I, I never included social media in that because year one, I didn't know it was going to get to the point where it is now, all the different events and um, all the different opportunities to create content and, and, and everything that comes with that is takes a lot of my time and I enjoy it, but it would be a lot easier if I didn't have to do as much of the actual doing of the work for lawn care. But we're, we're still working on that, you know, but that was always my goal even before social media was to be able to work on my business more and not in it so that I can do other things in my life and, and just kind of more manage my business that way. So we're still, we're still working on that, seeing where we're at there, but I've, I've just been stuck at one crew, haven't gotten to that second crew yet. Um, I could have, if I had all the people, I'd have all the, there's tons of work. I'm always pushing away work that I can't handle or take on. It's hard when they're in the neighborhoods we're already in. I usually just find a way to squeeze them in because I know I'm going to lose people along the way for various reasons. Either I get rid of them or they, they just don't like, you know, what, whatever scenario I have going on. I don't want a credit card on file. Like, okay, sorry, go find someone else. Like, you know, little things like that, or they move or, or their kids grow up and then they start mowing the lawn. There's a very, a variety of reasons why people will, you'll lose people. Um, but I know that's always going to be a thing every year. So I am always trying to squeeze in the people in our neighborhoods because it's right there. It's route density. We keep it packed. It's easy money. It's super profitable because we're not unloading and loading. So as many times we're not driving all over town and all that stuff. So I'm just really focusing on that, you know, last couple of years this year, just keeping it, you know, smaller and more manageable for one crew, 60 to 70 weekly yards. You know, we mow, we fertilize, we take care of the weeds, we aerate and seed, we take care of the leaves. Um, we do mulch in the spring, we trim the bushes throughout the year. So we're pretty much, you know, all year round maintenance, but we don't do any hardscaping or any heavy duty landscaping, like ripping out plants and bushes and planting new ones or starting from scratch with a new flower bed or something. And planting things, designing things. We don't do any of that. Some of that sounds interesting and enjoyable to me, but it's just not what I, what I want to do. I want to stick to the reoccurring weekly revenue, the stuff that I can just, you know, this routine. I, I'm just that kind of person. I think you really need to know yourself mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm, you know, how old am I going to be? Uh, 40 something. <laughs> it's, uh, let's do the math. 45. I'm going to be 45 Dang. in July. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if we're filming this it's eventually going to be on youtube by the way we've been filming these podcasts but first time i saw Naylor and i found out your age i couldn't believe it like i thought you yeah. were you easily could go for 10 years younger um you just are in good shape and you just look young 
Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, I get I've gotten that my whole life, and yeah. I, if I wasn't so stressed out in retail management, I maybe I'd look even younger. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, you you definitely yeah. have a good. Uh, you age well, I guess they say. Thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm 45, so I've been around for a little bit, you know, for a minute, and I've learned I've learned some things for sure. And you know, it's 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 just it's just one of those things where life gives you gives you all those lessons, and you got to take them and kind of we run with it or, you know, pivot, do whatever. And, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out just like so many, so many of you folks out there. And, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I know, like, like I was trying to say, I almost lost, completely lost my train of thought, but like I was trying to say, I know, I know myself better now than I did like 10, 15, 20 years ago, obviously, like I've grown a lot in 45 years. So I know what I can and cannot tolerate, you know, like, they say, you know, if, if you're not a gambling person, don't do this or don't do that. If you're not a risk taker, don't do this. Don't gamble. Don't invest in high, you know, things, whatever, you know, all those, all the lingo and stocks or whatever, like high returns, low returns, whatever, like you got to know yourself. So I, I'm not a seller. I was never a seller in retail. I was the customer service guy. I, greet you, ask if you need help finding anything. If you do, great. Let me help you find it. If you have questions about it, sure. Let me tell you all about it but I'm not going to try and convince you to buy it. I'm not going to try and add on 50 other things. I'm not going to try and get you to sign up for a credit card while you're here. Even though that's all the stuff you're supposed to do, that made me uncomfortable. And I just did, I, I did whatever I had to do with, with all those other things. But where I excelled was just helping people, you know, helping people answer their questions that they came to me with, you know, or, or help them find things or whatever like that. That's where I excelled. Just, just customer service, being a nice person, helping people, being friendly, um, you know, and all that. And, and of course, other things, you know, being, I'm very detail oriented. I'm very visual, very uh, creative mind, you know, artistic. Like I said, I went to art, uh, art school and everything. So whether it be, you know, visually, you know, dressing up a, a section of a store, matching all the things, folding everything perfectly, merchandising the store. For those of you that have any idea what I'm talking about, you know, like that kind of stuff, you know, putting stuff out in the window displays, like all that stuff I had a good eye for, you know, and, and I could also help people. And and that, that stuff kind of carries over now to lawn care, of course. But I didn't want to do landscaping, for example, or hardscaping or any of those kind of things. One, to me, it's a lot more learning and experience. And two, it just doesn't seem like my temperament. Like I don't want to have to go and constantly sell, sell, sell job after job after job to try and keep my schedule filled a month or two months or however long out. I wanted to just set it and forget it kind of, mm -hmm. right? I wanted to just, my temperament, my mentality is to build a business that's easily scalable, uh, reoccurring revenue, and it's very routine, very predictable. If unpredictable things happen, you have things, right? If a trimmer breaks, you have a backup. Blower breaks, you know, equipment breaks, you have backups. You have parts. You have, you know how to fix this. You know how to do that. You have a good relationship with your equipment dealer. You know, you have the right setup, the ideal setup for every job because you are doing the same things, you know, um, with landscaping and all that, you know, you, you start to acquire a lot of stuff and you have to haul around a lot of stuff because you don't know sometimes what you're going to be 
pull up to, you know, for these different jobs. You know, you, you, you start working on a project. Oh man, I need blank, you know, and you have to go back to the shop and get it or skip that task until the next day that you're back at that um, property and hope that you remember to bring that, you know, that particular tool or, or, or equipment or whatever. And that's just not me. So I never got into the landscaping stuff as much as it does. It's profitable and it's definitely enjoyable to a certain extent. I wanted to stick to the routine, you know, reoccurring revenue, the stuff that's dependable and reliable. I know a lot of landscapers that have, you know, mowing accounts because of that. It's the cash flow is steadily coming in. It's consistent. You sign someone up for a year. You don't have to worry about it. All that kind of stuff. While they do the landscaping stuff too, I just wanted to focus on the lawn maintenance side of it and not focus on the landscaping. So that's, that's what, you know, what we've been doing all this time. And I've just been sitting on a good, you know, like I said, 60 to 70 yards and just trying to maintain that and see where things go from here. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of, I, I guess my whole story in a nutshell and in, in, in less than an hour, there's probably a lot well, of fun little rabbit holes in between there, but yeah, <laughs> that's the main thing. Very well done rookie. And you guys can hear this whole, you know, full story again. I got a new book coming out and I'm going to feature Naylor amongst um, several other uh, successful lawn care businesses. Um, you are the the classic example of kind of getting that boat close to the dock and, and, and making the jump from a job that you did not like uh, to a career that you thought you did like, and maybe it could work out and, and it definitely has worked out. And then kind of like a cherry on top is the social media stuff. Cause that wasn't a part of the original plan was, Oh, I'm going to, you know, start a lawn business and, and become a social media influencer and connect all these brands with all these opportunities. And that's all right. just kind of come out of um, your skill set of, of, uh, just seeing opportunity and creating things. So um, how can people connect with you, Naylor? Oh, and, and guys, by the way, that book will be coming out probably in May. Um, but that's what we're hoping. I was talking with Mr. Producer today. He's going to narrate it. I'm, I'm fired from narrating. I, I, uh, I guess I'm not the best reader. <laughs> so he's he's going to narrate it and uh, the paperback will be out as well. So that that's coming out soon. But um, how can people look, connect with you and listen to your podcast, Rookie? Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Um, LCR Media Podcast, every Tuesday and Thursday, we have new uploads. Um, and, you know, again, we're, we're interviewing uh, pro pros, you know, in the lawn landscaping field, but also other entrepreneurs that are still kind of connected and, uh, you know, still add value, whether it's a real estate agent to um, a pond, pond con construction to, you know, paving and, and blacktop. I mean, all, all of these things, power washing, window cleaning, we're all, business is business, right? We, we might be offering different services, but we, we uh, definitely have a lot of things in common that we can help each other with, a lot of overlap and things like that. So I try to really think outside the box and get some interesting guests on that will, will help us all grow. Um, but definitely focusing on lawn and landscape for sure. And, and then in, in between IBG, in between guests episodes, uh, I have, you know, kind of my trial and tribulations or talking about different topics like, hey, it's mulch season. Here's how I do. Here's how I go about it. Or here's some things that I learned or here's things to avoid and, you know, whatever, like things like that. I'll, I'll sprinkle in throughout as well from my experience over the last nine years of me doing this. And I'm still always learning. That's why I say hashtag rookie for life. That's been my hashtag for a long time. And, you know, hats, shirts, whatever, like, because I'm always trying new things uh, and just trying to keep growing and, and, and always sharing whatever I learn on social media. So the LCR Media Podcast on all major platforms, I do that all the time. 
And of course, still on YouTube at Lawn Care Rookie or LCR, either one of those two will bring you up all types of stuff. If you put that in Google, all of my stuff will come up. I'm on basically every social media platform, major social media platform. There might be some new ones out there that I haven't you know, gotten on yet or whatever, but um, I really focus on YouTube, podcasting, Instagram, you know, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, all that good stuff. So you'll find me all over and I'm uh, just trying to share my what I'm learning and, and different events that I'm a part of and then keep bringing people together, like-minded individuals together so we can all grow personally and professionally. The Know Your Numbers training program is the shortcut to financial freedom that I wish I had. You see, success requires more than us just working in our business. We must learn how to work on our business. And in the Know Your Numbers training program, you'll learn how to stop burning cash so you can learn to make all your services truly profitable. You can bid with total confidence that each job you sell be more profit in your pocket as you build long-term wealth. Because we're going to teach you how to start paying yourself as the owner of the business the right way. You can grow a healthy business as we identify and track your cash flow for continuing success so you can stop losing sleep over financial details as you gain the skills to delegate the tough number crunching activities as a lawn care business owner and never chase those unpaid invoices again we'll teach you how to streamline your billing into a hands-free process so we will cover all of this and so much more as john Pajak and i are the teachers in this e-training program it's called know your numbers it's available at our resource center at the green industry podcast.com Hey, it's Marty, producer of the Green Industry Podcast. This episode is over, but check the episode notes for links to products and services that you heard about during the episode. And thanks for listening.